the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. If you have your Bibles, you might want to get them out. Those of you that maybe didn't bring a Bible today, for whatever reason, we understand. So we provide for you in your worship folder and outline that you might want to follow along. And the majority of the verses that I usually teach on are found in there. But I would always encourage you, though, that you'd have your own Bible and not just rely upon some piece of paper that you have that you might fold up and discard later on, but that you would have that. And let me throw this out, since this is recording a little bit before Christmas, if you're thinking about a particular Christmas present to suggest someone to purchase for you, I would encourage you to get a good study Bible, leather-covered Bible, so you can mark it all up. Those of you that are more technologically inclined, there's a lot of good systems you can do. I encourage you to maybe check out Accordance. They've got a lot of different Bible versions on there, and you'll certainly find the one that I predominantly use here, which is the New American Standard. I'm not saying it's the best one. It's the one that I'm most comfortable with for a lot of reasons, but you can do it on electronic version, and you can have that as well. Let me also encourage you Now, when you're thinking about giving gifts to people, whether they're family member or friends, that you might go a little bit further and think about, do they really have a Bible? And whether they really want to read that Bible, and you might want to consider getting them that gift. I trusted Christ on November 11th, 1966, and you can do the math of how long I've been saved. But I remember we never had a Bible. And at Christmas time, Carol, not married at the time, just boyfriend, girlfriend, and uh, she just uh, bought me my first Bible. In fact, I I have it so long, I call it the original manuscript. I say that in in jest because we don't have copies of it, but it means a lot to me. When I had that Bible, I still treasure it today. Carol wisely wrote on the flyleaf on the inside this. She says, either this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And uh, notice how I never forgot that, and it really will. It's a great, great, it's God's mind on paper. And we've got more to tell you about that in the weeks ahead. But today I want to talk about a subject that um, I was a little bit hesitant on. I was hesitant because I'm going to talk about the idea of forgiveness. And when you talk about forgiveness with people, generally you have to somehow subliminally bring into this, why would you ever have to forgive someone? Well, you already know the answer, because you've been offended, you've been violated, you've been hurt. And when I speak on forgiveness, I certainly don't want to be one to bring you any pain. I don't want you to have to go back in your mind and relive those terrible days of yesteryear. Or maybe even now to have to keep thinking about all that that's going on. On the other hand, as your pastor representing the great shepherd who loves you, he wants to help you go through this time of pain, get past this time of pain, and really enjoy authentic joy that comes once you understand biblical forgiveness. And so I want to share those truths with you from Scripture. The challenge that I have, though, is that Scripture from Old Testament to New Testament is just dripping with the concept of forgiveness, 
and why it needs to be done and how it's to be done and the way it's to be done, that we could spend another whole series on the issue of forgiveness. And again, if there's a lot of requests, we might unpack it more in weeks or months ahead. But for right now, I do believe you're going to get enough that you'll be enough to chew on to help you get to the next level in the area of forgiveness. Now, I know that there could be some of you here today or listening on the radio, you might be thinking, well, I really don't need this. I, 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 I pretty well have forgiven people, and I, I think I'm all right, so I guess I'll just endure the next uh, two hours of his sermon. That's a joke. It won't go that long. But I'll endure this till it's over, and I'll, I'll move on. But I would really hesitate for you to do that. I'm sensing now that people generally do not deal with their pain and violations to their life as fully or thoroughly as God would have us to do it, let alone biblically totally, that they carry on life thinking that they have dealt with the issue of forgiveness, but they might not have completely dealt with it. And so they live with a new norm. That's a new phrase, a new norm. Your new norm now is to continue on the way you have and yet never go back to explore the issue of, have I really, genuinely, fully, completely forgiven that person? Now, I don't live in an unreal world. You could have forgiven that person then. But the problem is that person or that situation keeps coming at you again and again and again and again. So it's not so much, uh, I haven't forgiven. The question might be, do I need to continually forgive? And how does that all work in my life? Let me give you something here and see if you can guess who this person is. So we're going to play a little trivia. Are you ready? Here it is. This person had been mistreated and abused by his family. He was unjustly accused and punished for something he didn't even do. And then he was forgotten by someone he had done a favor for. Who in the Bible do you think that is? Boy, you guys are Bible scholars here. For those that didn't hear our crowd, they said it was Joseph, and they would be absolutely right. He was mistreated and abused by his family. In fact, actually, literally, physically sold into slavery. In addition to that, we notice that he had other problems in his life. We notice at the time that he was um, punished for something he didn't do. He was accused of having moral impurity by way of rape with a boss's wife. And he never did that. And so he wasn't, he didn't just lose his job or not get a bonus at Christmas. He was thrown in jail, and literally he was forgotten there, even by someone who he kind of helped out, responded by interpreting a dream, and that guy had a better life. And so I'm saying that was really Joseph. And then I could look at all of that, but he was also someone that could be a model, and I say this humanly speaking, my greatest model of forgiver is going to be the Lord, but I look at him as my model of living life and really going through the, the drama of trauma, and that he still came out ahead to simply say, you all, and he could have said it broadly, although he's speaking to the ones that uh, sold him into slavery, he said, you know, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. Now, I don't know that he actually had that attitude at the moment he was at the bottom of a dungeon of a pit. I don't know if he thought that way while he was just dripping with stink and body fluids, living in a dungeon where he had to clean himself up just to even go see the king. I don't know that. But somewhere along the line, there was that seed in it that by the time he could actually express it to the ones that started this whole spiral down, his brothers, he could simply say to them, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. And if I could encourage you, my prayer for you, 
would be that when you leave here, that you could look at those things that have happened in your past and you could say, that or those meant it to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. Now, I don't have the time to go through the story of Joseph. It would be such an enlightening, thrilling, and poignant story. But there's a lot in Scripture that we can go through. But again, I'm still worrying, or concerned maybe, is that there are some of you that are still wrestling with, um, oh, I don't need to forgive anybody. I don't have any unforgiveness in my heart. Would you mind if I take your temperature right now, your spiritual heart unforgiveness? I'm going to kind of put some situations in front of you and see if you still are wrestling with some of these that you haven't gotten past it yet or totally past it. One of them will be this. Are you still experiencing hurts from being lied to? Again, without them asking forgiveness or apologizing, you've been lied to. You've been rejected by parents or a parent. A promise was made to you, but it was broken. And I think of all of you that might have gone through a divorce of not your asking. You were stolen from. You were neglected by your grown children. You were cheated on in a business or a financial deal. I hate to say this one because it will be the, probably the most painful. A violent crime is against you or against a loved one. Rebellious or a wayward son or daughter who has not yet made it right with you. You were treated unfairly by an employer. You were belittled, and especially publicly. Your parents even divorced. You had an alcoholic parent or mate. You were slandered or falsely accused. You were abandoned even by a parent or mate. You were divorced by a mate. You were publicly humiliated. Adultery or another sin was against you. You were abused physically, emotionally, or sexually. You might say, hmm, I, th I think I've already dealt with that. I, I, yeah, that, that's happened to me, but I don't even want to think about it. So if I can push it out of my mind, that's a form of forgiveness, you know? Well, it's a little bit, but not totally. Let me see if you uh, really have gotten past those now. So let me ask you this question. Do you find any of these statements to be true? Every time I think of that person or the event, that offense that happened my way, it brings up ugly feelings, whether it's anger, I feel a little nauseous, I'm uncomfortable. I might even keep thinking about it in a loose sleep. I have a subtle and secret desire to see that person pay for what they did so I can at least smile and laugh in my heart for them. I wouldn't mind if something had to happen to that person who hurt me either. I sometimes find myself telling others how that person hurt me. If that person, whatever the name is, comes up, I am more likely to say something negative about them than something positive. So in other words, if I'm in a conversation with someone and I'm talking about them, if that person really offended me, it could be that I'll bring that person up. Or if I hear that person's name, I may talk about it in a bad light. And finally, and this is the one that gets me, <clears throat> I truly, deep within my heart and sincerely, cannot really thank God enough for that person. That might mean that I um, am wrestling with a high level of unforgiveness. And I don't think you want to be that. I think you really do want to get past it. And the majority of people would, but they, they hear little platitudes 
And those platitudes they think will work, but they really don't. How many times and how many of you have heard of this one? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Have you ever heard that one before? How many? Raise your hand. I think sometimes the words that we hear actually hurt us more than if they slugged us on the arm and we had a black and blue mark. Because often that might heal after a while, but what they've said to us goes deep within us. We read it in an email, or we've heard it said to us. It goes into our, our brain. It goes into our consciousness. And then it slips into our subconsciousness. And then it influences us. It hits our psyche. And it's so hard to forget. Here's another one. Might have happened to you as well. Well, you know that time heals all wounds. If it's a little bit, we'll get past it. Generally, life gets so busy we don't think about it, but I don't know that we've totally gotten past it. Some of us have been hurt so much, that means so often, and then we've been hurt so badly, which means so deeply, that it's not hard to come up. Even right now, you're having to think about the whole forgiveness and the offense right now, so I know that's happening. It doesn't mean you haven't dealt with it correctly. You might have, and you're celebrating that. And let me pause on that. Do celebrate that. Because God wants you to. That's a good thing. And you know the only way you could do all of that is through him. So celebrate him. It's all right for us to do that. All right. I want to help us get beyond just, I don't forget them, but I don't don't want to carry a grudge. A lot of people, they've learned how to manage sin so well. I'll talk, I'll do what I should. But inside, the grudge is still there. And it's kind of like, it's like a cancer. I talked to someone recently who said that um, they had cancer. And they got that cancer removed, listen carefully. But they didn't get the margin. And so I'm thinking maybe sometimes we've dealt with our issues and we've kind of thought we removed the cancer. But we haven't dealt with the little margin where it could still be lurking. And I want that to be in my life. And that's why I have to kind of lay myself bare before the great physician who will delicately take his scalpel and will hurt me as I have to go through this. But he will never harm me. So let me perhaps give to you some um, encouragement and then we're going to get to these points. One of them would be this. When we withhold forgiveness from someone, we not only hurt ourselves, We not only hurt God, we're going to spend more time on our relationship upward regarding our relationship outward of non-forgiveness because that affects the most. Let me say this, and you'll hear me repeat this a lot. That while we think they offended me, I have to deal with it, etc., we don't live on a lonely island or an inner tube in the middle of the Pacific. We have to connect with other people. So by us not properly handling forgiveness, it will affect us subconsciously and consciously in the choices that we make, and it will affect relationships. It's no doubt going to be affecting your relationship now. At the same time, it will affect future relationships. So I want you to kind of let that percolate a little bit, because I want to open that up a little bit more, hopefully driving you to come to the realization that You need to forgive. You need to get rid of this for you. You need to do it for God. And you need to do it for current and future relationships. You just need to do it. And I love this. Look over here. In Christ, you can do this. The only thing I can't guarantee is 
Will you push the want to button and do it? That's what you have to do. But God will do the rest, if you will. So four reasons forgiving others is so important. Here's number one. Forgiving others is being obedient to God. It's not legalism. I'm not here to make you feel guilty if you're not, but at the same time, it has a lot to do with our obedience to the Lord. So not forgiving would mean that I'm disobedient. And there are a lot of you that are listening that have had a lot of Bible teaching that knows what the ramifications are when we live a disobedient life before God. So if I'm not forgiving, there is a whole lot of other stuff that's messed up in our relationship upward with God because it's disobedient. Look, if you will, through the Apostle Paul writing to the wonderful people at Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, like the wonderful people right here that are listening to me. He's like writing to you. He's writing to me. These aren't worse than you people. They're not better than you people. They're just like you. They're dealing with their issues and isms and spasms of life. And here's what he says to them. And be kind to one another. Now, I wish I had time to unpack the setting of Ephesus and the kind of people that probably spilled into that church. A lot of people that were rejected by their families because they chose Christ. Others that were probably really beat up by the kind of governmental system that they had with the soldiering. Others that really had to go through the what we might say the employer-employee relationship, although then it was the master-slave relationship. The way they had a convoluted view of marriage and how badly that was that they had to address what that should be like. So there was a lot of messed up people there. And yet he still said to them, and be kind to one another. And he doesn't qualify it. Be kind to certain people. Be kind to her or him or a strong person or a weak person. It just says, and be kind to one another. Then it says tender-hearted. Then it says, and I put in bold for you, forgiving one another. And then I underlined for me, just as God in Christ forgave you. If I didn't give you any other verse on forgiveness, this would be all you need right here. This is the epicenter understanding of the forgiveness. I am to be loving, tender-hearted, forgiving to others because I have been forgiven in Christ by God. And so if he's done it for me, then I have the ability in Christ to do it for others. Let me take you to another verse, Colossians 3.13. This is what it says. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another, again, saying it over and over again, except this time it's to a different church. It's a church at Colossae. And so the same truth is not just in one area, it's everywhere. Then it says, if anyone has complained against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do them. If this is your Bible, you might want to circle the word bearing with one another and then circle the word forgiving. So bearing and forgiving. I thought a lot about the word bearing with one another and the forgiving part of one another. So I may be splitting a little bit of a theological hair, we call it. So let me see if I can make some sense for you. This works for me biblically. If you came to me and you said, Stan, um, I, I really want you to know that um, I am so sorry for what I said about you or said to you or did do or didn't do. Will you forgive me? I don't have a choice but to give them a full, free forgiveness of sin. We're going to call it a judicial act of you are forgiven. The bearing is a little bit different. This would be for those, perhaps, that do not come to you and say, I am so sorry for what I did for you in the past. 
I'm so sorry for I didn't do or didn't say, whatever it is. They're not coming to you at all. And so now you have to bear with them. You have to put up with those people, I like to say. And you're going to have to put up with them again and again and again and again. Now, it doesn't mean so much that you're going to wear a sign on the back of your shirt that says, kick me. And so that wherever you go, they have a free ticket to kick you. But it does mean when they kick you, that we're to put up with them. And how do you put up with them? Now, watch this. You grant to them in your heart what I call a forgiving spirit. You put up with them by releasing them like you would the first person. You're releasing them to God for God to have his way in their life, in his timing, so that you don't carry the burden of not forgiving them and not bearing with them. You're giving them back to the Lord. That's obedience to the Lord. Now, when I think about disobeying the Lord, I also think about what I lose by not obeying the Lord. I want to talk about that in a moment because obedience brings a great deal of blessing when we do it because God knows how we're wired. Watch this. He knows how he made us. He made me a guy. He made my wife a girl. I like that. Okay. But he also made me a particular emotional being. Some people, they can easily just don't get offended. You know, pretty much they're pretty thick-skinned people. It takes a lot to get them to be offended by something. Others are a little bit less. So I want you to know that however you have life hit you, some of you are going to feel the pain more quickly, more deeply because of perhaps past experience or the way you've been hardwired by God, but it doesn't minimize the pain. Those that can let water roll, roll, roll off of them like a duck's back, those are the kind of people... At times I wonder if you live in a real world. Are you denying it? Are you saying, that doesn't bother me? And it really does. Well, he commands it. I know that some people have been more severely hurt than I have. Corey Ten Boom, I encourage you to get her book called The Hiding Place. Read about how she spent a significant part of her life in a concentration camp, her sister dying, Horrible situations happening to her and how she could still forgive her captors, the warden, and her abusers. It can be done, but it can be done in Christ. Now let me qualify something. Some of you might go too far with my forgiving and think, well, forgiving then, Stan, you're, you're implying that, that I'll forget this. Or if I'm really forgiving, that I should forget it. Yeah, we ought to forget the things that are behind, etc. But in the reality of it all, we know that we can't forget everything. But if we remember it, at least let us remember it clothed with the healing salve of forgiveness. When Joseph said, you meant it to me for evil, he knew everything what that meant. You did that to me. And it was evil to me. He didn't forget, forget it. He just put it in proper perspective. But God, who permitted it, meant it for good. So maybe what we have to do in our obedience to the Lord is we're willing to forgive those people because Christ forgave me. Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. So I'm forgiving that person, not with my forgiveness, but with Christ's forgiveness because I'm bestowing the forgiveness that he's forgiven me to them. And now what I'm doing is I'm going to live, give this to the Lord and say, all right, Lord, good can and should come from this because all things work together for good to those that love you. It is conforming me first to become more like you. And the way I'm becoming more like you is to become forgiving. And you are never more like the Lord than when you are forgiving. 
that's obedient. Well, let's go to number two. Just think in terms of that whole concept of forgiveness in obedience to the Lord. Number two is forgiveness frees us from being in bondage to the past. That phrase is important, being in bondage to the past. You might think you've gotten past that, and some might have. Look at this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 5. It says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And I like to look in terms of love. If I really love that person, even though they've done wrong to me, if I really love them, I will not keep a record of that. I'm not keeping a list. They're bad. They're always going to be bad. It'll always be bad around them. No, no, love says, I don't, I don't keep a record. If you want to, maybe in the margin to kind of keep in context with what we're saying, you could say, forgiveness keeps no record of wrong. This is going to be a hard phrase for some of you. When I've been, been hurt, and, 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 you, and, and all of us have been, and I want to forgive the person, and I want to check myself to see if I've really forgiven that person. To really, I, I think I've done all that God wants me to do. I've done it in Christ. I prayed about it. I, I see good is going to come from this now or in the future, maybe not even until I get to heaven. I, I got all of that. But how do I treat that person? How do I see that person? Well, obviously, I don't want them to keep on hurting me, but I don't have to then shove them down and, 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 and separate them from myself from them. Here's what I want to do. Watch this thing. Here's the phrase. I want to, if I truly forgive it, I want to put that person back into the position they were in before they offended me. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.